on this week's episode, we open the book of Boba Fett. We strike fast and strike hard with Cobra Kai, and we pay tribute to a legend in Betty White. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. And happy new year and welcome to 2022, everyone. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, PopCultureCosmos.com, or anything that we do right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without some good friends to start off 2022. They are the awesome Monroy clan. You got to go ahead and catch Degenerate 2018 whenever he invades the land of Twitch. You can do it today at twitch.tv slash Degenerate 2018. It is my good friend, almost 10 years now. It is Jamie Monroy. And also, following up on the Monroy clan, it's Alex Monroy as well. Welcome, Monroys, to the Pop Culture Cosmos once again. So nice to be here in the Cosmos. It is going to be a great episode that we're going to kick off 2022 right here for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We're going to talk about a lot of great things, including opening the Book of Boba Fett with Episode 1, now on Disney+, Plus and where it may go for the next few episodes. Plus also as well, we're talking some Cobra Kai because it dropped just before the end of the year at Netflix Right now, the whole season four is available to you, all 10 episodes right now on Netflix. So we're going to talk about my impressions of Cobra Kai season four. Season three was a winner with me, and on my best of 2021 list, could season four be as well? You'll find out here in a minute. Plus, the WWE had its day one pay-per-view over the weekend, and, well, due to some unforeseen circumstances with the coronavirus, Things had to be changed at the last minute, and a familiar face wins a version of the WWE world title, the Monday version per se. We'll talk about a familiar face winning once again, if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the WWE coming up. Plus also we have some predictions because it's that time of the year to go ahead and talk about what we think is going to happen in pop culture for 2022. And last but certainly not least, on the back end of the show, we'll be paying our respects to a legend in the entertainment industry just before her 100th birthday, Betty White, passed away. We'll talk about what she's done for pop culture, the entertainment industry, and why she was such a cool person to go ahead and follow in pop culture all these years coming up on the back end of the show as well. But Alex and Jamie, it's great to have you here once again. I want to hear your thoughts first off. Disney Plus debuted a new series this past week, and that was The Book of Boba Fett with Episode 1. 
And in it, in the first 10 minutes, we got a lot of answers in questions regarding how did Boba Fett get out of the Sarlacc pit? What happened to him early on? How did he get where he got? Because he, he made it his arrival back in the last season of The Mandalorian and made his presence felt there. This is the series centering around him. I want to hear your thoughts first, Alex, on this. I'm going to go let you go first. Tell me your thoughts going into episode one of the book of Boba Fett. I liked how it kind of catches you up on what's happened in the past till now. Were you entertained by the episode? Because for me, it was a little bit slow. It did answer the questions first off, but once it finished answering those long-standing questions Star Wars have had over the years, I think it was a, really a little bit of a slow burn, per se. It wasn't a bad episode, but it was just not something that's going to be outside of just one five-minute fight sequence. Just really wasn't that much to it as far as the Book of Boba Fett is concerned. Yeah, as someone who's kind of been into Star Wars, but not so much till recently, it did feel a little slow, but I also caught up on some things I may have missed in the past. Going into it, I mean, I'm sure you've heard Boba Fett, Boba Fett, how cool is Boba Fett? It's Boba Fett is a part of pop culture, especially with Star Wars fans that people want to see and know more about his backstory and all that because he's been such a, he was such, he was a minor player in the Star Wars universe and was going to be a, almost a forgotten part, but he had that such that cool factor that fans really wanted to go ahead and make something more special for him as far as the story is concerned. And I think that the Star Wars community took notice of that. But, you know, seeing that you are a newer fan to the Star Wars scene, was it something that's going to keep your interest continuously? Or are you looking for something with a little bit more pop, per se? In the beginning, it did kind of bore me out. But later on in the episode, when it got into more detail, that's when it kind of hooked me into more of the Star Wars series and it's making me want to go see the other things they've already shown. With Star Wars, and for a smaller extent, Marvel, in fact, they're doing it right now with Spider-Man, No Way Home, and all that. They want to cater to your audience, to a younger audience. They want to get you hooked so you'll be able to go ahead and get the torch passed to you, so to speak, so you can go ahead and become those super fans for the next two, three decades like your father and me have been for, well, in my case, way too long now, but <laughs> I will say that it's something that they, if they got you hooked when it comes to something like Boba Fett, eventually after a slow start that you want to come back to it, that's the key because you're the demographic that Sony, Marvel, Disney, Star Wars, they all want to go ahead and connect with you. Warner Brothers, DC, that's why the Suicide Squad was so cool because it, it just connected with a younger audience. That's why, again, Spider-Man No Way Home is so cool because they want to connect with a younger audience. Jamie, I want to ask you your thoughts initially on the book of Boba Fett, episode one. Again, after it ended, all the questions that were asked about what happened over the years in regards to the Sarlacc pit and the just basically how did he get out of that as far as what happened in the events of Return of the Jedi following those events and everything After going on there. Solo bumped him off the airship. Yeah, and then he fell into the Sarlacc pit. I mean, what happened to him? We found out. Like, yeah, hey, it, this is how he did it. Yeah, and it showed you a side of the Tusken Raiders that I really think was very interesting. But tell mm -hmm. me your thoughts on the Book of Boba Fett, Episode 1. 
I, I liked how it was filling in that gap, you know, like, okay, here, guys, we'll explain it. We know you're over there going, he just randomly shows up in Mandalorian with no explanation. Yeah. So, you know, they filled that part in, which was great. It gave a lot of fan service to us. You know, that's we we knew about all that. Return of the Jedi, where Hansel, you know, blind Han is like, doomp, knocks him off by accident. And you're just thinking, well, where'd that go? You know, you it never answered it till now. And that's exactly. kind of cool that we get that. And like you were saying, where they're catering to Alex's demographic and such, to where it might want to make them go back and go, well, what? How, how did he fall into that? Because I was explaining to that them to them earlier, you know, Return of the Jedi is where he got bumped into there, and they never really they just kind of left it at that. Exactly. It was one of those. It was one of those what ifs they could have left wide open, and we never saw him again, and never got it answered, and we just all assumed he died. Or now it was. Well, we saw him again, but how? Well, that's what they want to do. They want to make it cool for you and I. And mm-hmm. and they did the explainer in the 10 minutes for all those long-standing fans like you and I on what happened with Boba Fett once he fell into the Sarlacc pit. But Alex, they're really targeting you. When it comes to Disney and Marvel, Hawkeye, which was the latest Marvel series, which I thought was tremendous, Alex, Absolutely. with Elena Belova and Kate Bishop, Young Avengers, along with a whole ton of other Young Avengers on the way, they're catering for the next decade or two to have you continue to watch. So seeing that's the case and seeing what Disney's blueprint is over the course of the future, what Sony's blueprint is over the course of the future with what they're doing with Spider-Man, is what they're doing with little things like you're seeing from Boba Fett, does it really want to make you see more of the show going forward? To me, yes. Boba Fett has always been one of those more interesting characters to me in Star Wars. So learning more about him and then his past is also opening up a different spectrum of things. And it's making me want to like learn more about his colleagues or the people he worked with. See, he had really big shoes to fill, not to butt in, but he really had some big shoes to fill if you know some of the lore with this episode. He took Jabba the Hutt's place, basically. So that was some big shoes to fill, considering, like he even said himself, Jabba ruled with fear and never left where he was at. Whereas Boba was different. No, I'm going to go out there and they're going to know that I handle my business myself. He wants to rule with respect. Uh-huh. And with the only thing with that is because he took over for Jabba, They really haven't given him the town, per se, or the area that he's trying to go ahead and gain control of or have Mm -hmm. control of. They really aren't giving him the respect yet that he feels he deserves. So I think over the course of the series, you're going to see a pushback and a shove back from both sides of the equation and also the other parts of organized crime, the underworld of Star Wars, per se, which... I think in recent years, I think Rogue One brought this about really, and I know you and I have talked about this before in the past, Jamie, it's that Mm -hmm. the underbelly of what Star Wars has really become an interesting part of the Star Wars lore because people really want to find out what's going on. Oh, absolutely, because that's the, I don't want to say the meat and potatoes of it, but it's it's the livelihood. It's it's what's going on on a daily basis besides the fact that you know there's Jedis in, in, in the universe. This is what the daily struggles are in the universe of all these smugglers and traitors and all the other things going on that they don't really focus on in the main Star Wars movies where they can focus on it more in these little out projects because 
it's not so much a focus on, you know, a main character like Luke or a main character in the Jedi's or anything like that. I like that because now, you know, you're going to see that extra bit of story that you always see in the background, but now it's going to be the forefront. Yeah, I agree. Alex, uh, I mean, as someone, again, a newer viewer that, again, they're, they're targeting more than Jamie or I, you said it's going to continue to gain your interest or going over the course of the next few episodes. It is a limited series, and it does, again, hopefully will tell the tale of Boba Fett, but by the end of the series, what are you hoping to gain out of this? What is the ultimate goal for you as a viewer to learn more about Boba Fett? Do you want to see more of the Star Wars lore and learn more about that? Or do you hope it leads into more of the Mandalorian, which is the premier Star Wars series on Disney Plus? I'm kind of hoping that it just leads more into how Star Wars kind of began and like how everything just started in that universe. Well said right there, because it is the point right after the original third movie in the trilogy, Return of the Jedi. So it's still very early on in the Star Wars telling lore that they go back to for this. So you're finding out more about that, that whole era right there. And that's where the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian like reside right there in that era in that time period so you hit it right there on the head as far as trying to go ahead and have you learn more about the lore and it's i think detailed series even if they're limited in the number of episodes that they can show that give you more of that lore indeed and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing more of it again for me it was a slow burn uh, you know, obviously the time that he spent with the Tuscan Raiders being in prison, they did flashbacks to that period of time. I think it gives you the idea that there was much for him to go ahead and, and suffer through before you see the events of what happened and how he entered into the realm of the Mandalorian. But it shows you that there was a struggle that he had to go through before he got to where he's at. But I'm in, right now very encouraged by what I see with the Book of Boba Fett. I'm hoping for a little bit more pizzazz, a little bit more action, but I like what I see so far. Again, a slow burn for me. Jamie, Alex has been so great as far as sharing thoughts on this. Any last thoughts on the Book of Boba Fett before we hit episode two this week? I just hope we get some more cool cantina music somewhere in here. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. They had uh, most of the original band from the original Star Wars there. So that was kind of a cool thing. And I love the fact that when Disney with either the Marvel or Star Wars is doing, they, they put a lot of these little, you know, these little nuggets in there, these little Easter eggs in there from the past or little touches uh, on occasion that it's really nice to see from the Marvel movies and Star Wars movies from the past. So I, I really like what I see when they go ahead. It's an attention to detail, which I see a lot, although that does <laughs> at times like the Mandalorian lead to the episode where there was the assistant that was actually seen on camera. What they call him, the jeans guy, I think was what they called oh, him when yeah, he actually yeah. accidentally appeared. And so funny because he became viral the minute that episode was on the like air. The Starbucks and, cup in the Game of Thrones. Yes, absolutely. They actually made even a, uh, a action figure out of him as far as the fans made an action figure out of him as the jeans <laughs> guy in the full Star Wars packaging, if you can believe that. So, you know, as long as you have that great attention to detail, though, it's much beloved for Star Wars fans, new and old. But 
Everyone out there, I want to hear your thoughts on what you thought of the Book of Boba Fett, Episode 1, and where you want to take the series from here. Where do you want them to go when it comes to the underworld and learning more about the seedy underside of Star Wars with the Book of Boba Fett? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, jock and Nerd! Well, there's so much more to talk about on today's program because... Netflix also last week, just before the start of the new year, dropped 10 more episodes of Karate Loving Goodness with the Karate Kids offshoot series, which has become an amazing thing of its own. Started on YouTube as one of their first original series. And then when YouTube got out of original series, they handed it over to Netflix. And that is Cobra Kai. This is now season four. It's the first official series under Netflix because it's the first one that was made under the Netflix banner. When Netflix acquired Cobra Kai, season three was already in the can made, but that was actually still intended to be put onto a YouTube platform. But again, it got put on Netflix, which was great. Season three was awesome. I enjoyed it very much. It was one of my best of for 2021. Jamie, I want to head it back over to you when it comes to Cobra Kai. This is a season, for me, the thing is, I think it's very Melrose Place 90210-ish in that it deals a lot more in the teen soap opera type deal. It also brings in a familiar character, just like it did in previous seasons, a familiar character from the Karate Kid movies, this time, Terry Silver from the not-as-much-seen Karate Kid Part 3. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think this season, for me overall, and we're going to go into probably possible spoilers for everyone out there as well. I mean, yes, it's beyond the trailer. The trailer already hinted that Terry Silver was going to drop in. But I want to hear your thoughts on this season. The season for me overall, I think, was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't a home run, but it did enough of what it needed to do, even given the fact that Terry Silver is not as widely known as the familiar faces from the previous two films back in the 80s. I agree with you. It didn't have that that kind of punch, (laughs) pun intended, as season three. Season three came with a lot of story, a lot of backbone, a lot of energy. And it just kept rolling, you know, it was like a big rolling thunder from start to finish of that season. This season, not so much. I have to agree with you. It is a lot more of a teen rom-com, but it's not even, there's no com. It's just the oh. teen rom. But if you notice, the teen rom is also rubbing off on the adults right now in a certain aspect, not to spoil too much for anybody out there. And also there's a lot of teen drama that's affecting the adults where I feel like the adults should see more through this and they're not. Well, that's what I want to ask Alex, being that you're a teen and in that age group that 
can say, and I, I know one of my daughters, Arwen, uh, has been checking this out with me. And first off, she's critiquing the stances of every time they get into the fight <laughs> motions because uh, she has a, a little bit of a, a kung fu background. But she also is uh, remarking on this little bit of the cheesy interactions between some of the, the teenagers and, and things of that nature. And yes, some of it's contrived, a little bit more contrived than normal for the show. Uh, some of it's uh, been very good. Some of it's been eh, all right. But the I'll talk about the good later on here, but your thoughts on this so far, as far as the, the overall setup of the series has been for you, the inner relationships between the characters, especially the teenage ones, because part of it is still set in the high school setting. And of course, a lot of it in the dojos from the various factions and sides. But I want to hear your thoughts so far on Cobra Kai season four. Is it connecting with you at all? For me, it's more of just an okay season. I do prefer like more action-based stuff. So all the drama does feel like it's kind of just dragging out the series. Yeah, they put it out to 10 episodes. I really think they could have gotten away with seven and been just fine. Yeah. When you see all that talking as far as the kids are concerned with the love lives and the interpersonal relationships that they have, is, is that something that actually is relatable or is it something that just makes you go Ugh, cringe? I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. But a lot of people like that factor of shows where it's like that sort of genre. Yeah. They like the drama. Uh, that's just not really my cup of tea. I can't say I disagree with you because 90210 and Melrose Place and several other teenage dramas have built quite a, a history of successful series and shows based off of the teenage drama. So I get it. And I'm not saying it was bad. I just it, sometimes it, it dragged itself out a little bit more than it needed to be. And once again, it took a lot of spotlight off of the relationships maybe I did want to see more of. And that was Johnny Lawrence and Danny LaRusso because... This season, they're forced to work together, and the working together and combining of their do dojos. <laughs> I mean, it's so fun because Ralph Macchio makes a joke. Did you come up with the name to Johnny Lawrence? Did you come up with the name of your dojo from the painting that's right above my head? You know, which was this eagle. The cheesy and, picture over his couch. Yeah, that, <laughs> which you could tell that's probably what he did. So it's, it's so funny because... William Zabka just does not look like a natural born actor, but yet he steals every scene because he he knows how he comes off on screen and he and plays he up it. to it. He uses it. He's yep. not natural, but it works. It works so well. Even in season four, he is the reason why for me this is really turned around because I was so negative mm -hmm. on the films over the years. And I've told you that mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. I know we've talked about, but the interpersonal relationship that he has with Danny LaRusso and that still that I don't trust you, but I got to trust you, but I got to still work have that high school relationship yeah. that they did of the new kid and the kid that was been popular at school the whole time, you know, and still fighting for that popularity even after high school has been long over and still feels threatened by the fact the new kid is still moving in on his territory, so to speak. Cause you could see that throughout this season again, where, the relationship with Daniel and Miguel, yeah, and Miguel. Manuel, yeah Miguel. kind of grows. And, you know, You're right. you see that father figure kind of there for Miguel, where I think Johnny thought he was there for him like that, 
where you see Daniel kind of, hey, check it out. You've never driven before. Where are you going to drive? It was kind of that father moment where it's kind of a bonding thing yeah. where you thought you would have seen that with Johnny, but you're not seeing that so much with Johnny. His character is so inept and so oblivious to those obvious things and the way he could build a relationship, yet he just would rather have his manwiches and his beer. Uh, yeah, right here, let me grab my ham out of the fridge and just eat yeah. a slice while I'm drinking <laughs> yeah. a beer with you. It works. Yeah, I know he's been in stuff throughout the years, but he's also played up his Johnny Lawrence character over the years and being able mm-hmm. to market it uh, even after so many years, even before what we see with Cobra Kai. But he is just so tremendous because he knows what he's doing. He knows he's he he's not the polished, seasoned actor when he goes mm-hmm. out there on screen. Yet he plays everything as far as, okay, you want me to be a loser? I'll be as much of a loser as you want me <laughs> you to. You got it. Yes, exactly. And he does that so well. And Danny LaRusso, sometimes the adversary, sometimes the friend works. Even in a nice way, he works against William Zabka's character, Johnny. <laughs> it's, it's all the time. Just the way that they play. That's what still works. Four seasons they play very in, well off each other. Yeah, they do. That's why this show still works. That's why this show still gets a positive grade for me is because of those two. I just wish I would have seen more of it, but I understand why they need to build the relationships between everybody else and also the relationship between Crease and Terry Silver. I mean, right. a lot of people out there aren't familiar with it because they didn't see the movie that relates to it, but right. it was okay for what it was. It's just they, like I think they, they flashed back enough to what anybody that didn't see that movie, though, needed to see as far as how Silva affected Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I and how how much of a plague he could be to yeah. someone. But he wanted to start off good. He wanted to start off nice. He just wanted to start off straight up just helping out Cobra Kai. Well, you know, he wanted nothing to do with it as a whole, to be yeah. honest, at first. Yeah. At first. And then, you know, he got turned over to the dark side. Crease is actually the one pulling all the strings. And I really think as long as they keep Crease as the central bad guy figure, they're mm-hmm. doing themselves justice there. Uh, Silver as a ancillary side evil character, I think that works as well. But Alex, again, this is something that I think is also meant for your age group because they want to go ahead and see if it connects. And that's the reason why it's been so popular on YouTube and now Netflix is because it's been able to connect with younger audiences. I know, for instance, with us as older guys who actually saw the movies and now are appreciating Cobra Kai even more, but for someone such as yourself, is it connecting with your contemporaries? Is Are people still talking about Cobra Kai? Because I see it still viral going out there that Cobra Kai still has a name that people want to follow. With where I am not many people talk about it as like when it first came out it definitely has died down some with i think of my generation and i do think it is more intriguing to the people who basically grew up with it when it was first coming out yeah i agree with you on that and it's all in the numbers with netflix but with you jamie i want to close out our conversation on cobra kai I think the big thing is the numbers with Netflix. I mean, we saw Cowboy Bebop open to a tremendous following and then started to die off in popularity with each and every episode with the hardcores. Yet for me, I thought it was a great series. And again, it was one of my best of 2021. I know I'm in the minority when I say that, but I thought it was was Mm -hmm. good enough to keep alive. But Netflix didn't, so they gave that the cut. 
I want to hear your thoughts. Will this be the final season for Cobra Kai on Netflix? Because you can never tell on Netflix what they're going to do. Are they going to keep it going or are they going to go ahead and cut the cord while they have a chance? Well, you're speaking to the numbers. Now, that brings up something I wanted to point out, too. Speaking of the numbers, you know, they are going a little team romance. You know, they were saying a little cheesy there, everything like that. Is that part of their key, though? Can we look at the popularity, per se, of Riverdale? Things like that have grown in so much popularity that maybe they're trying to take a page out of that book, but not necessarily run fully down that road, but kind of grab a little bit of that teen romance here and there and drama to kind of spark more maybe an audience from those genres to say, hey, take a look at this. They're doing it over here. This is too pretty good. They're, you know, they got their little fighting things, but they're they're doing teenage romance and real problems. I wonder if that's part of their tactic to say if they're going to keep going. Honestly, I think we're going to see maybe one more season of Cobra Kai before I think Netflix plays the hang it up game. I hope so. I hope they, they understand that. Again, season three was a perfect blend for me as far as action plus storylines. I think they, they mixed it very well. I think right they had a lot to drop. Like a little too much character development. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that if it does get the axe, that may be one of the reasons why. But I'm hoping not. We'll see where it's trending right now on Netflix. I know a lot of people are talking about it. Hopefully it'll trend at number one for a couple of weeks. So that will give it time to go ahead and give it that okay for season five let's see if we can go ahead and let's well let's see if we can go ahead and toss a coin to the witcher and say you know what give me a couple weeks of number one so we'll see what happens with cobra kai season four but tell me your thoughts out there if if you liked cobra kai season four if it's met your expectations or if you want to see something more and if you think there will be a season five of cobra kai strike fast strike hard and let us know pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com well, coming up next, we're going to be talking about some more great things, including the WWE is letting Brock Lesnar win a championship again. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Plus our predictions and pop culture for 2022, and we pay respects to the late Betty White. That's coming up on the back end of the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, along with Alex Monroy and Jamie Monroy. Alex, do you do any streaming on Twitch like your dad? Yes. Tell me that channel. I stream, and my channel name is Atomic Monkey. There you go. Atomic Monkey indeed on Twitch. Please follow Alex today, Atomic Monkey on Twitch. And we all know Degenerate2018 on Twitch. Once again, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos. We are the number one streamer on Facebook for everything tabletop RPGs. Please catch all of our great games, including this past weekend. We had not one, but two great games from our DM, Mitch. And we look forward to our usual demolition force on Monday. We look forward to a lot of great things going on throughout the rest of the week with all of our Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop RPG games because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer. Please catch our games today, plus the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. 
Well, the WWE, Jamie, your favorite land of all lands. The thing, I, when I talk to you about you, your eyes light up the most when I talk about it. And that's the WWE. And this past weekend, due to an unforeseen development with Roman Reigns, unfortunately testing positive for the coronavirus, that set the main event for day one in a little bit of flux because he was supposed to be meeting up against Brock Lesnar for the SmackDown championship, or as I call it, the Friday championship. <laughs> Unfortunately, that match didn't take place because of the positive test. Brock Lesnar was then put over into a five-way match for the Raw WWE Championship, a.k.a. the Monday Championship. And wouldn't you know, I guess the changes were so last minute, they made a last-minute title switch. And after a, a pretty good main event, not great, but it was okay for a five-man match. I mean, those are going to be a little bit of a cluster every now and then. But overall, it was all right. And after all said and done, Brock Lesnar is once again the WWE champion, or a WWE champion, I should say. He now holds the Raw title, which he won over Big E, defeating him at the same time, and also setting up a possible program with Bobby Lashley, because it looked like during the match those two were working with each other, and there was a spot there in the middle that there was a spear through the barricade, which made Bobby Lashley look pretty good against Brock Lesnar. So they had that in mind as far as facing those two off, I think, for the title going forward. Your thoughts on Brock Lesnar regaining a world title? Once again, we have a champion that is not going to be there for your house shows. He's only going to be there sporadically for your TV shows. Is it the best move for the WWE at this time once again? So Mr. Free Agent. Brock Lesnar rolls his way back into WWE, makes it very known that he's a free agent and he'll do what he wants, calls an audible and walks out with a title. Imagine that. Who could have thunk it? I don't agree with it at all. I was never a fan of the fact that he waltzed in to begin with from UFC, named his price on his contract, called his shot, did what he wanted, broke the streak and just said, I don't care, and ran around for six months with a title we only saw like three times in a six-month period, and that was if we were lucky. Very disappointing to me. I, I, I don't think that's a good move to go backwards like that when it wasn't a good move then. It seems like it's a fail-safe. Like, okay, we don't know what to do. We need to make some kind of imprint. Our ratings are down overall. Some of the ratings that we've had recently are some of the lowest in the history of Raw. Some of the lowest in the history of SmackDown. AEW, although they are not close as of yet in the ratings-wise, they are still gaining some marginal ground and still have the cool factor and they do have a younger demo that really is a interested more in their product than our age for i guess for the wwe which is crazy with what they're running with this last week is sting versus cm punk you know two people that we have all seen fifty thousand times over and they're acting like this is the newest thing running Absolutely. It's working, though. I can't say it's not working. It's working. It is working, but it's still not going to be something that I think is going to get them over the hump or get them on an even plane with the WWE as of yet. They no, still have more work to do. Maybe in the next year they will go ahead and accomplish that. But still, we're still talking about another 750 to 800,000 viewers they need to gain on a weekly basis for both their shows before we can start talking about them in that. But is this audible to Brock Lesnar really enough? 
Well, I didn't know if it was the right thing to do in the first place because if ultimately your goal was to have him face off against Roman Reigns, what do you have for Royal Rumble now? Now you have two separate matches again for the right. separate world titles. Unless it means something that I've always wanted to happen, which I do think should have happened, which I think should have never been broken up in the first place, and that's a unification <laughs> match. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that's the ultimate goal at this point in time for a WrestleMania? Well, we had mentioned it, and, you know, we talked a little bit, and I had mentioned that to you as well, thinking that I'm thinking there's going to be a rehash of a reunification, which, if you really think about what's been going on lately, do you not see a small rehash of an Attitude Era, just not the way anybody really wanted it? I, I don't know. It's just been very disappointing to me, man. The, the call As a whole, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like wrong move after wrong move. They have a lot of people that either are kicked out of WWE and, and terminated, or they just leave WWE altogether like Tony Storm did after her match last week. She did oh, a yeah, triple threat yeah. at a house show and just decided to go home. Yeah. Didn't tell anybody, just decided to go home after that. But Alex, I want to hear your thoughts. Do you follow the WWE? Is it more of your dad's wrestling organization? Because I know that I hear a lot still, even to this day. Mm-hmm. I talked to John Orlando quite a bit from the PBD cast, and he and I agree that the trends and way that they need to market is for a younger audience i'm not sure having brock lesnar win their title is the right answer for getting a younger audience well i've been a fan of wwe my whole life practically and it kind of (laughs) seeing brock lesnar just win titles after titles over and over again gets extremely repetitive and it's kind of like come on we need someone different to win because it's unfair how every fight he does against whoever and however many people there is he always somehow ends up winning speaking of getting kind of like fed up like can i throw something out there at you two and see how you feel i feel there was somebody that got shafted because of covid and was very underrated that would be perfect for your generation it just didn't get the full-on chance it deserved and i feel that that was drew mcintyre well granted before you know being the chosen one that was it was a horrible gimmick back then it's horrible that they bring it up now (laughs) but he yeah he won the title during the pandemic and he won it when there was no live audiences to be had but he was never given, I think, really a, a great run or a fair run in letting the fans decide whether they want to go ahead and support him. I think fully. it could have been so much more. But now yeah, he can't. Be, but now he can't because he has a legitimate neck injury and mm-hmm. we don't know the severity of it. And if you know the professional wrestling business at all, you know the neck is probably one of the worst injuries you can have in the business because once you start getting neck injuries and I mean, look at Edge. Edge was out of the game for over 10 years because of his neck injuries. And Call Kurt Angle and ask him. Yeah, absolutely. The neck is something that really can debilitate any professional wrestler out there. So our thoughts are with Drew McIntyre. Hopefully he'll come back around. Hopefully he'll feel better and get, get well soon and be able to go ahead and get the kind of push I think that he deserves. I He's not my favorite, but I do respect him because, man, the guy's big, he's strong, he's athletic, and I think that he has enough charisma that he should at least be given a run with the title or I a agree. title or I don't know which which title, the Monday or Friday title, whichever one serves him best. So I think that he should get a fair shot in front of a live audience. But, again, this is something that when you and I 
and also Alex over the many years probably has come to know with the McMahons of the world and Bruce Pritchard's and, Ooh. you know, uh, you know, the individuals there that seem to be making all the key decisions sometimes don't have the best modern thinking in mind as you, far as the product is concerned. You hit the nail on the head for my next question. That is, you knowing the McMahons and what you just said as a whole for all these years, and even you, Alex, knowing coming, you know, first house show at two, you know, and you grew up with some of the business where you saw a lot of the behind the scenes because Vince was still actively involved a lot. Do you feel that maybe this COVID with Roman at the last minute may have also been a tactic to stall to have Roman have that title because they really are up to something with Roman and possibly his cousin coming to set him straight? That could uh, definitely be an opportunity that they may be using. His, his cousin, by the way, being The Rock, just to let everybody know out there if you're not familiar, still with The Rock, you're not going to get very much but outside of a one or two time appearance because his schedule is so full. So I... I don't know. It's depending on Brock listeners and the rocks of the world, I think it is a mistake. You need to start building something internally. Now you need to start get behind someone and make a run with them and make a run as a definitive champion. Roman Reigns as a bad guy, I think is the best thing that they've got right now. Mm-hmm. I think that for every Braun breaker, AKA Braun Steiner, as I talked about on one of last week's shows with John Orlando that you keep making mistakes on, that you have individuals out there that might have the potential to go farther. But right now, Roman Reigns should be the definitive dominating champion. He's not one of my favorites, but right now he is doing what he needs to do is be a villain and be a good one at that. And I think right now his mannerisms, his charisma and his demeanor and the way he's going about things, I think is the best he's done in his entire career. I think he's finally at ease and comfortable with being a villain. I think it's now's the time you need to start running with him for a while as your champion. Alex, do you agree that maybe Roman Reigns right now should be the face of WWE? I can definitely agree with that. He has brought in, in, I know, like a little bit of older viewers back just because they're trying to see what storyline they're creating with him. And right now, I know Becky Lynch, with her heel character and heel persona, is not as over as she once was when she was the man. And I know that her off-again, on-again, real-life feud with uh, Charlotte Flair, I mean, that's something that you're always going to have those two very competitive with each other. So it's going to be very hard for one of them now to really stick out as the individual woman in the WWE because those two are just gigantic personalities and the egos that come along with it but i think right now the best shot that they have is roman reigns going forward and please listen to me WWE, when i say this it is in your best interest in dallas to go ahead and unify the titles simply said jamie you agree i absolutely i couldn't said it better I, I it's like i told you earlier i feel like that's what's coming anyways i feel like brock's gonna put his foot down and say i originally wanted that title i wanted that competitor I still want that title. I want that competitor, which is going to lead to those two titles being unified. Which again, I go back to what I was saying earlier about how they're they're rehashing the past, but they're not rehashing the good parts of the past. Yeah. Because this all leans towards when, you know, Chris and all of them had that unification where Chris, what, had three matches in one night just to unify two titles, which was great, but lightning doesn't strike twice like that. So now you're going to run a totally different storyline, but rehash the part where you reunify titles. Like I could see where they're slowly grabbing bits and pieces from the past. It's just, they're not utilizing them the right way with the right people. 
they're bringing in the same old people that were doing it back then instead of some new blood for the future, you know? So that Alex can say, hey, yeah, WWE hit that point where it was kind of meh, but look at where they're going and have another decade of people where they can still keep talking. Honestly, I've had this conversation with Alex too. I'm wondering when this company is going to get sold when Vince finally figures out enough is enough and cuts his losses. You know, I've uh, said it on the show already in occasions. I think something has to happen in the not too distant future. I think a lot of the roster cuts, a lot of the cost cutting is leading up to the company being positioned for a sale at some point in time. I think that's why the infamous Nick Khan was brought into a leadership role in the first place is to go ahead and get this company to be attractive enough to be set up for a sale going forward. But Alex, I'll close our WWE thoughts with you. Do you think with what happened after day one, mind you, all three of us have to be somewhat understanding regarding the emergency circumstances of what it was. Do you think heading into Royal Rumble and then in the not too distant future, the weekend of WrestleMania, do you think that at least they're heading in the right direction or do you think they need to make some changes before then? So far, I do think they are leading into the right direction and hopefully open more opportunities to newer fighters or ones that haven't gotten in the spot as much. But right now, Brock Lesnar is the Raw champion, winning the five-way title match at day one. Will we see more with him and maybe Bobby Lashley going forward? Or will we eventually see a unification match with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns? We'll find out. But we want to hear your thoughts on where the WWE stands after the events of day one. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, it's been a great episode. I want to thank Alex and Jamie so much for joining us, but we've still got a couple more things to talk about before we head on out, and that's our predictions for 2022 in pop culture. I'm going to start with you, Alex. And I want you to go ahead and tell me what predictions you have for pop culture in 2022, whether it's TV, movies, video games, what have you. Quick, get the magic um, ball. <laughs> I do think that this year is going to be a bigger year for anime again, especially some of the bigger animes per se, My Hair Academia, because I know their last season, it kind of just felt like a filler season. And it wasn't as interesting as, like, the season that just happened before with the whole Night Eye Agency arc. I agree with you that anime is going to, again, be more the forefront. I know that Netflix's delve into anime is something that, besides the fact that what happened with Cowboy Bebop, is still something that they're going to stay strong in, both in an animated and possibly live action going forward. 
I know that my daughter Arwen again is very excited for what she sees from Demon Slayer after what happened with Mugen Train, not only the movie, but the season that came out last month. So I'm I'm excited to see what will happen for anime. I know that a lot of people, especially big anime fans such as yourself, are, are looking forward to seeing what's going to go on and continue with the anime in 2022. Any more predictions for 2022 in pop culture? I do hope that some better TV shows come out this year because it felt like last year there was just like a drainage of interesting and entertaining shows. I think production teams for both TV and movies are going to start to catch up a little bit better because the fact that they're now more used to working in a pandemic environment than they were, let's say, in 2020 when a lot of this stuff for 2021 was filmed. I mean, a lot of stuff was delayed into 2021 and 2022. So you're going to see, uh, hopefully, a lot more polished products come out in 2022 that will be more appealing to you. And I'm hoping that you're going to be right on the button with that prediction as well. Jamie, what do you have for as far as predictions coming up for pop culture in 2022? Ooh, my 2022 predictions, where to start? Let's start in the world of video games. Okay. My predictions for 2022 in the world of video games. Hopefully a brand new fresh shooter genre so we can stop relying on the fact that there'll be a brand new Call of Duty every year. I don't I'm know. Over Call of Duty. It makes money, yes. I've yet to spend a dime on Vanguard. I can't. It's too much for me anymore. Well, I haven't spent money in Call of Duty in years. I, I'm one of those fans that they need to bring back. I thought Call of Duty Black Ops was going to do it, but then I saw the advanced looks at it, and I was like, oh, I really wanted it to work. I love the time frame that was in, and then fortunately it just, just fell through and didn't execute. And of course, you know what they're doing in Warzone. I see you playing Warzone all the time on your Degenerate 2018 mm-hmm. channel. Yeah. Any other predictions for you for 2022? TV predictions. I hope to see some really good series coming from Marvel. I love what they're doing so far as far as their series. I haven't seen too many yet that I've been like, meh. They've all been pretty well done and well executed to where I'm chomping the bit for more. Even with the ones that you know we're not going to get more, I'm saying they're going, I want more. Well, now comes the year where you're going to see stuff that is not as familiar with you. With Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, mm-hmm. Moon Knight, maybe even Echo will sneak in before the end of the year. These are now names heading series that fans out there are not as familiar with. So now I'm excited because gonna... I always read those comics and I grew up with the Marvel trading cards. I don't know if you remember those. Yes. I'm excited for that. I was just telling Alex the other day about the mashups in the comic books and in those cards where X-Men would run in with Spider-Man or X-Men would run around and run into Moon Knight. Things like that to where I hope that eventually we get to see things like that. That's what I'm hoping for as far as a TV and movie base as a whole, as far as it goes with Marvel, Sony, and all of them. I would love to see Deadpool and Spider-Man on screen together because their comic and animated presence together was always hilarious the way they played off each other and i mean it's quite possible we all have a lot of people out there running around messing with time right now that seems to be the thing especially over the course of the next year with dr strange and the multiverse of madness what could possibly happen with guardians of the galaxy i know the holiday special i think is coming out this year and then of course thor love and thunder and what could be up to head I know that 2022 is going to be another good year for Marvel at the movies and at television. I think for me, my predictions is going to be pretty simple. I predict that 
Starfield will bring back Bethesda's glory after the debacle known mm. as Fallout 76. I think yeah. this is a brand new IP that a lot of people in the industry are excited for. Alex, are you excited for Starfield? Is it something that you're thinking you might get into this Bethesda Xbox exclusive? I think it's an Xbox exclusive. I think it's a timed exclusive, but yeah. It's a timed exclusive? I believe it starts out as an Xbox exclusive, yeah. It has to because it's owned by Microsoft. (laughs) I think it's a year timed exclusive, though, like (laughs) that other game they did. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead, Alex. Do you think that it might be something you're really getting interested in? Yes, I do think that will be that. I hope it does have a big up rising when it does come out just i hope that it carries out for a while and not like after two weeks dies i hope it does the things that i wanted no man's sky to do i mean yes you can go planet to planet no man's sky and you can explore and see some things but interacting or a good and evil story or a story a plot through line no man's sky even with all the work they've done it's a different style of game than a narrative going through it It just seems like it's a different adventure to be a part of whereas starfield i think if you follow the elder scrolls fallout the best of because it's todd howard directing this as he's been the director for the elder scrolls series and the fallout series if you take the best of both those worlds pardon the pun and you bring it into mm-hmm. Starfield, I think you can make something really special with Starfield. I really think it's going to be a big hit the latter part of this year. And I think one more thing that's going to be kind of a little bit shocking is that I don't think there will be a movie this year that will make as much money as Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can agree I'm not, with that. I'm not saying it won't be a billion-dollar maker because Doctor Strange and Thor Love and Thunder do mm-hmm. have the potential. Plus, you never know what the Batman can do and some other stuff out there. But I don't see a event movie where, again, this whole theme of this episode has been all these entities and IPs catering itself more to a demographic closer and similar in age to Alex. The key was with Spider-Man No Way Home, that's what they did. And that's why it's earned so much money is because younger audiences are going to it just as much and even more so that our ages are, Jamie. Mm-hmm. I think that it's going to be very hard to repeat that with whatever I'm seeing so far in 2022. Yeah, yeah. I think you're dead right there because unless we get another movie where it's going to have you know the potential to have those moments like this movie did where everybody got that fan service finally. Yeah. But again, I don't see anything hitting this year that big. I could be wrong, and we'll report on it over the course of the year right here to Pop Culture Consoles. But those are our predictions for 2022 for pop culture. If you have thoughts on any prediction, if you have any predictions for pop culture in 2022, please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos on any social media or popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Once again, please follow Alex Monroy at Atomic Monkey on twitch and also degenerate 2018 jamie monroy on twitch but before we head on out you two we pay respects to the great betty white who gave a number one sign so to speak to us in the (laughs) fact that she passed away at the age of 99 as everybody was going to do all this stuff for her on her 100th birthday which was i think going to be on the 17th of this month just over two weeks away yeah yeah and everybody was planning all this great stuff tv specials and of course tributes all around the world for her and she ups and dies on us at 99 just doing an interview as well saying about how it felt and how she made it to turning 100 
after having a Twitter exchange with Ryan Reynolds and all that, and it, just the the love that's been outpouring for her after her death. But again, she passed away. Truly a tremendous career. Yes, she did win awards. I think the fact that it wasn't just her career that she did. It was also outstanding. The Golden Girls and everything that she did before the Mary Tyler Moore show. I'll say it to you first, Alex. I think when it comes to social media and all that, I think your generation, you still know who Betty White was. Betty White, even at 99, was someone cool to know. And you just, just the way she interacted out there, still at 99, you knew who Betty White was. Yeah. And she was definitely an influencer to even people my age just by how amazing her career was and how she respected people almost no matter what. Yeah. Basically a great human being, did so much for the animals. Uh, yeah, she's a huge animal advocate. Huge. Yes. I remember that from when I was a child. Yes. She did the Golden Girls, did uh, obviously several things over the course of her life, but it was the fame and notoriety in the last 20 years of her life, I think, that has earned her the most respect. Jamie, any last thoughts on Betty White before we head on out? I think the biggest memory I have of Betty White, and everybody's going to think this is funny because most people would probably think of her on Golden Girls, you know, or think of her on Hot in Cleveland. My biggest memory of her, and I don't know if you guys knew about this or saw it as well, was when she posted on social media for her 99th birthday of how she was going to spend her day. Just quiet at home with a glass of wine with her friends and posted a picture of a deer that was outside her window. That was the most amazing thing to me because everyone should stop and really think about the beauty of that. She didn't say, I'm going to go hang out with all my Hollywood friends or I'm going to have this huge party at my house with all these people that probably don't even care. Well, they do care, but you know what I mean? Yeah. They're only here because I'm Betty White and I'm having a birthday and that's the only reason they showed up she kept it simple and kept it real this is all i need for my birthday to be happy i'm good keep it simple and i think that was a lot of how she got to be the ages that she got up to is that she kept it simple yeah and kept it real it's been an honor to see and experience the life that's betty white i mean unfortunately again she has the last laugh on everybody as she passed away before anyone expected at 99 but if you have any grand thoughts or memories of Betty White, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friends, Alex and Jamie, you've been tremendous on today's show. Any last thoughts before we head on out? I just want to thank you both for being my friend, pun intended. Oh, there no you go. No disrespect, but hey, she was the world's friend. You guys are my friend, and I just want to thank you both. Thank you for inviting me. Always a pleasure. You're always welcome back. The red carpet is open for you both. You know it. Obviously, Jamie does so much work for us at Game Source on Facebook, plus also as well, Degenerate 2018 on Twitch and Alex Monroy. You can catch Alex at Atomic Monkey on Twitch as well. On Friday, Melinda Barkhouse Ross, hopefully health willing, is going to be back with us. I know she's been a little under the weather as of late. Hopefully she will be back strong with us for another great episode of the PC Multiverse. I will check in with my thoughts on CES in its limited fashion. So that's going to be very interesting to see how that lays out because I'll be there once again. Plus also as well, we're going to be covering the latest news and trends in pop culture, episode two of the book of Boba Fett and so much more on the PCC multiverse this Friday, right here at the pop culture cosmos. So for Alex Monroy, 
and Jamie Monroy. This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great